Hello, and welcome to the Trump Scorecard. I'm your host, Jesse Birdie, and I want to start out this week with a tale of two dinners. In our first story, FBI Director Jim Comey asks to have dinner with the President of the United States. During that dinner, President Trump asks Comey if he's under investigation. Comey says no, and then, a little desperately, asks if he's going to get to keep his job as FBI director. Trump says, we'll see. For the second dinner, it's Trump who asks Comey to dinner. Trump brags about the election, about the, the size of his crowds at his rallies, and then asks Jim Comey if he'll be loyal to him. Comey says, no, I'm not going to be loyal to you, but I'll always be honest with you. Trump asks him again if he's going to be loyal, and again. And here's the odd thing about these two dinners. They're actually the same dinner. They're just different perspectives of the same story. The first version is Trump's version. The second version is from Jim Comey. But the funny thing is, is Trump looks terrible in both stories. In Comey's version, Trump asks the FBI director for loyalty, which is against all tradition of an independent FBI director. Comey refuses, and then, months later, Trump fires him. The first version is Trump's story, in which the President of the United States asks the director of the FBI if he is under investigation, which is incredibly unethical. This week, Trump fired Comey, and in a scandal-plagued administration, this is the biggest scandal yet. There is so much to talk about in this story, so I'm going to spend a lot of time on it. And I want to start by talking about why this is such a big deal. Uh, when the news first came out, a lot of people compared it to the Saturday Night Massacre. That's when Nixon's attorney general and his deputy attorney general resigned because they refused to to fire the special prosecutor, Archibald Cox, who was investigating Watergate. Uh, Nixon eventually got Robert Bork uh, to become acting attorney general and, and fire Cox. There was an immediate backlash to that comparison. People said it, it wasn't the same, which seemed like a silly argument to me. Of course, it wasn't exactly the same. It was a different president, different scandal, different time in history. But in both cases, the president fired someone who was investigating him in a possible criminal matter. As historical parallels go, that's pretty close. This needs to be stated clearly, so let's say it. The president of the United States fired the director of the FBI to obstruct an investigation into possible criminal collusion with a foreign power to fix the election that installed that president in the White House. None of these are disputed facts. We know Russia worked to fix the election. We know they did it to help elect Donald Trump. We know that there are multiple Trump associates and campaign workers with ties to Russia. Paul Manafort, Carter Page, Roger Stone, Michael Flynn. All of these people have deep ties to Russia. We know the Federal Bureau investigation has been investigating this since July of 2016. And we know that is why Trump fired Jim Comey. He said it himself in an interview with Lester Holt. And in fact, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. It's an excuse by the Democrats for having lost an election. That's it. 
That's the final piece of the story on Comey's firing. After days of the White House telling other stories, and we'll get back to their lies, the White House said it was instigated by the Deputy Attorney General, turned out to be a lie. They said the firing was because of the investigation into Hillary Clinton, which would have been a good reason to fire Comey on January 20th, but they didn't. They fired him now, after Comey went to Capitol Hill multiple times, after Comey verified the investigation was happening, after report after report that the investigation was heating up, that it was closing in on Trump associates, were there indictments coming? Of whom? And what was the story that Trump was afraid those people would tell? Remember, Michael Flynn asked for immunity, and Trump's attorneys had to tell Trump not to contact Flynn. These are just the things we know. What we don't know yet could fill volumes and probably will. But we don't need to speculate about the firing itself. We know why it happened. I'll say it again. The President of the United States fired the Director of the FBI to obstruct an investigation into possible criminal collusion with a foreign power to fix the election that installed that President in the White House. We know what needs to happen next. Congress needs to step up. And I have grave doubts about whether or not that will happen. You know, we've seen noise from some Republican members of their discomfort around this, people like John McCain, but no one is talking about taking serious action to hold this president accountable for firing Jim Comey. No one is questioning whether he should even appoint the next director of the FBI. And clearly Trump should not. We can't put this investigation into the hands of the Department of Justice anymore. What really separated Trump firing Comey from the Saturday Night Massacre was that his attorney general and deputy attorney general didn't do the principal thing. They didn't resign. They signed memos approving the firing of Comey. To be fair, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions III has likely never done the principal thing in his entire life. We don't know who the next FBI director is going to be. But if Trump is insisting on personal loyalty, then no one he nominates should be in that job. He fired Comey for investigating him. That's a clear message to the next person who comes along. Can we trust the next director of the FBI to finish the job? Of course not. He or she will know that gets you fired. So there has to be an independent investigation with a, a special prosecutor answerable to no one with a full report, indictments, the whole nine yards. And, you know, let's be honest, maybe it'll turn out that, that Donald J. Trump did nothing. I, I'm not sure he's smart enough to be deeply involved in colluding with Russia. But he is the one who fired Comey. And the White House lied about why. And that's the other thing, what makes this story so remarkable. Look, if you've been listening to this podcast or paying the slightest bit of attention to the news, you know this White House lies every single day. Sean Spicer, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Kellyanne Conway, everyone who talks for Donald Trump tells lies. You have to. It's, it, it is the job you have to do. But it has been especially brazen the last couple of days. These guys have gone to the podium in the press room and said up is down. And the next day they say up is east. Their, their lies are contradicting their other lies. They've lied about when Trump decided to fire Comey They've lied about why Trump decided to fire Comey. 
They lied about who was responsible. They even lied about whether or not people at the FBI were happy to see Comey go. Trump actually planned to visit uh, FBI headquarters, but had to cancel the visit when it became clear that he would not be welcome there. And God, it would have been fun to watch FBI agents boo the president of the United States. There is no reason, none, ever to trust anything Donald Trump says again, or any of his spokespeople who seem to have no idea what was going on this week. You know, if you're like me, they already didn't have much credibility. But look, I'm partisan. Uh, I'm biased. I, I admit that. But these people now should have zero credibility for anyone but the most blinded, captured, Fox News watching, Breitbart reading, Make America Great Again hat wearing, Trump rally attending morons. Honestly, at this point, if you believe what is coming out of the Trump White House, you're just a fool. Like the Republicans in Congress, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, chances are these guys know better. They they know why Trump fired Comey. They knew the minute it happened why it happened. But they don't care. They, they have an agenda to pass. As long as they have a president who will sign on the dotted line, they're going to stand behind him 100%. And in the end, that's what's really terrifying to me about this whole story. Without a Congress that will do something to hold him accountable, there's no one left. The Department of Justice won't. The FBI won't. The courts won't. Now Congress won't. Donald Trump could be about to learn a very important lesson which is that he can do whatever he wants. And honestly, that's the scariest thing of all. I want to talk a little bit about Trump as a man, about the kind of human being he is. Because remember, this is not a person driven by ideology, right? He, he isn't driven by a desire to stop abortion or deliver tax cuts or, or even build a wall. He doesn't really care about that stuff, right? I'm not a psychologist, but then Trump isn't a very complicated person. And there were a few stories that came out late this week that really gave an insight into the kind of person Trump is. Uh, you probably know about the now famous Oval Office visit. The day after he fired Jim Comey, he met with the Russian foreign minister, uh, uh, Lavrov. But he didn't just meet with him. He also met with Sergei Kislyak, uh, the Russian ambassador who is kind of at the center of all this scandal, right? He's the one that General Flynn talked to about sanctions, and that's why Flynn got fired. So they met in the Oval Office, but they didn't invite press. But Russian photographers were there, and the White House thought these were uh, Lavrov's private photographers until the photos went out over the wires. Because, of course, in Russia, media and the state are one and the same. So government photographers are media photographers and, and vice versa. So the day after the Comey story broke, there are photos of Trump laughing in the Oval Office with the Russian ambassador and foreign minister. Now, this was a meeting Obama never had. Apparently, Putin had urged him many times. He, he wanted to push Lavrov into the Oval Office and have him meet with Obama as kind of a symbol. And Obama always said no, but Trump didn't. Because that's who Trump is. He's a show-off, and he's ultimately a pleaser. His deepest desire is to impress other people. And that came out really clearly in this bizarre story in time. Uh, Three-time reporters met with Trump, and, and he took them around the White House. 
and he said something that really stuck out to me. He, he was bragging about the Oval Office itself, and he said, I, I use the room. I use it a lot. I had the biggest people in the country here. The biggest people in the country. He's the president. He can have any human being on the planet on the phone within a few minutes. But he still feels the need to brag that important people visit him in the Oval Office. I, I assume, by the way, he's talking about Sarah Palin and, and Ted Nugent, the, the biggest people, the best. But but he didn't stop there. He, he let these reporters let him watch TV. He was watching pre-recorded clips of the congressional hearings with former DNI Jim Clapper and uh, former acting attorney general Sally Yates. But the only clips he were watching were ones that he would likely find positive. He he was laughing as he said that, that Clapper and Yates would choke like dogs, which, A, what does that mean? And, and B, they didn't choke like dogs. I, I watched the hearings. But this is what his staff does. They just feed him the news that he, they think he'll want to see. And then he's shocked when coverage doesn't match the facts that they've showed him. You know, it's funny how conservatives on Twitter like to call liberals snowflakes. I, I get that all the time. It really hurts my feelings. But is there a bigger snowflake in the world than Donald Trump? He can't handle bad news. He can't handle taunts or insults. He brags about the silliest things, which brings us to the last story. Uh, he did an interview with The Economist and he was trying to explain his tax plan, which he clearly doesn't understand. And in an odd moment, he asked the interviewer if he was familiar with the phrase, prime the pump. And the interviewer was like, yeah, of course, prime the pump, sure. And then Trump said, I haven't heard it before. I just made it up. He took credit for the phrase, priming the pump. And, and the whole interview is bizarre and worth reading. But imagine that moment. Think about what it means for Donald Trump to take credit for inventing a common phrase. And it would be one thing if it were just an isolated incident, but it's not. It's a window into how Trump perceives himself and the world. He is genuinely at the center of his own universe. And let's not kid ourselves. This is the president. This is the most powerful person in the world. Believing he's at the center of the universe has worked for him. But Lord, is it scary for the rest of us. He is so fragile and, and so desperate to impress and so vulnerable to slights and insults. He is in so many ways like a little boy, including, you know what, I'm, I'm going to save that tidbit for the end of the podcast. Uh, on a previous episode, I talked about the voice program out of uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And if you don't remember, it's essentially a program meant to collect and promote stories of immigrants committing crimes. Our, our government is looking for ways to paint immigrants as scary criminals, despite the fact that criminals commit crimes uh, at a rate less often than the general population. And, you know, on Twitter, I, I call this racist because it, it's racist. But whenever you make this argument, you get these amazing geniuses explaining how it's not racist because immigrant is not a race. And then you have two choices. You can either ignore them or spend your day explaining systemic racism to someone who will never listen to a word you have to say. I, I pretty much always choose the former. But do you think they would listen if this program were targeted at, say, a particular nationality? 
uh, of course not. But guess what? Uh, now it is. Not not voice specifically, but uh, as the administration considers the status of about 50,000 Haitian immigrants, uh, they fled in the wake of the 2010 earthquake that destroyed much of the, the country. They want to know specifically about crime statistics from this group of immigrants, not individuals who committed crimes who should be deported. They want to know statistics about the entire community. Why do you think that is? Why would you go looking for that data unless you wanted to paint these people as criminals? People who fled devastation, one of the worst natural disasters we have ever seen. Can we at least call that racist? Because it really is. Let's do some quick hits. Quick hits. Do you remember when Trump took that nice picture in the Oval Office with all those presidents of historically black colleges and universities? Uh, They had come to ask for more funding and, and were disappointed when Trump didn't commit to it in what really turned out to be basically a photo op. And now Trump has gone even further. Uh, This is from Politico on May 6th. And as always, you can find a link to this story and links to all the stories I talk about on the website, which is thetrumpscorecard.org. President Donald Trump signaled Friday that he may not implement a 25-year-old federal program that helps historically black colleges finance construction projects on their campuses, suggesting that it may run afoul of the Constitution. He claims the funding discriminates on the basis of race. Funding for historically black colleges and universities, which were created because black people weren't allowed into colleges and universities, and which, by the way, accept white people. And folks were surprised when Education Secretary Betsy DeVos this week was booed at a commencement speech at Bethune-Cookman University. Students turned their backs on her. And honestly, every HBCU should turn their backs and boo anyone who works for Donald Trump. So should the rest of us. Quick hits. I talked about how Trump's staff has to manipulate him. And one of Trump's promises during the campaign was to get rid of NAFTA. But of course, plenty of people in the administration don't want that. Half of his White House worked for Goldman Sachs. These, these are not people who want to rock the boat on trade. But apparently they couldn't convince Trump directly. So they called Justin Trudeau and told him to convince Trump not to drop NAFTA. And he did. But think about this. White House staff had to call a foreign leader and ask him to convince their boss of a policy position. Has, has that ever happened before in the history of the country? Quick hits. Finally, Trump launched a commission to investigate election fraud, which is super important because you'll remember there were three to five million illegal votes in the 2016 election. That That's still the official position of the White House, that there were three to five million illegal votes all of whom voted for Hillary Clinton, which is why she won the popular vote, and for some reason they all voted in California. But all joking aside, this is horrible and and dangerous. The the chair of the commission is Vice President Mike Pence, but the vice chair of the, the commission is Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach. And this is a guy who has dedicated his life to stopping people from getting into the voting booth. You know, we know the facts, and it feels silly to repeat them here, but... There is no problem with voter fraud in this country. There are a few, and I mean few, isolated cases so rare they have zero impact on elections anywhere. And so when people want to start big efforts to fight this non-problem, 
It is about one thing and one thing only, suppressing the votes of people who won't vote for them. Poor people, minorities, students. This is about Republicans winning elections by keeping Democrats away from the polls. It's about intimidating them, making it more difficult for them to vote. It is ugly. It is un-American. And no Democrat should have anything to do with this sham of commission or do anything but reject its recommendations. I promised earlier I would talk about how Trump is is like a little boy. Uh, and during that time interview, he actually had dinner with the reporters who were interviewing him. And he did an odd thing for a host to do. He got all these special things at the meal just for him. Just an example. He got a Diet Coke, but didn't ask what the reporters wanted to drink, and they just got water. They got salads. He got Thousand Island dressing. They got a vinaigrette. Uh, he got extra sauce with his chicken. The, the article didn't specify if it was chicken nuggets and if the sauce was ketchup. And finally, for dessert, they had chocolate cream pie, which sounds amazing right now. And it came with a scoop of ice cream. Except for Trump's. His came with two scoops of ice cream. Seriously. Two scoops just for him. Because he's the president. And that makes him a big boy. That's it for another week with a corrupt, unethical monster as our president. Like I said, you can find links to all the stories I talked about on our website. That's thetrumpscorecard.org. I filmed a video and put it on Facebook this week as soon as the Comey news broke. So check that out on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash thetrumpscorecard. And I definitely want to hear from you. Send me an email at thetrumpscorecard at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at Jesse Bernie, J-E-S-S-E-B-E-R. Anyway. This Russia thing, this Russia thing, this Russia thing. The Trump Scorecard is written, hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jesse Burney. Our music is from bensound.com. I'll be back next week, and remember, this is not normal. Uh-huh.